1: Let's begin.
0: Welcome, everybody. Good to have you here with us. It is April 10th, 2023. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals and a whole lot of others that are now listening in from all different aspects of, interest of our industry. So it's really an honor that more and more people are using our program as a, uh, as a way to gauge what's going on. We're just grateful to have you as our listener. Again, our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format you can listen to anytime and anywhere keep thinking or flirting with going to video but all the videos all the statistics say anyone needs watching on youtube they're they're really just turning on the audio and listening to it and uh, we keep flirting with it and maybe we'll someday maybe not i don't know but we'll always be audio again the goal is where you can listen to it anytime anywhere and sometimes video is gets you to the point where you feel you have to watch it so this is our commitment to you. I want to say a thank you to our sponsors. Again, Candor Technology, doing a great job. In, in, listen to the interview we did April 5th with Earl Thomas Booker III, also known as Books. Great interview talking about uh, how the, what, what the vision is for Candor, some of the things that they have on the, on the drawing board. Again, we're looking for those technologies, looking at those technologies that can really bring efficiencies and actually help you get more done with less people candor does that and also it has an insurance policy so if you're using candor as an underwriting tool and that loan does not get bought for some reason they have an insurance that covers the mark-to-market risk spread in there so you will not be out any money very cool what they've done because they're so good at what they do they've never had to use that insurance policy is what tom tells me and so they're very pleased with the results of what that system is. I encourage you to check out Candor Technologies. Also, check out Finastra. They're the market-leading point-of-sale and origination platform. Um, they're, again, the largest fintech company in the world. I always like seeing what they're doing and hearing what they're doing. We recently did a uh, podcast or a webinar with them on chat GPT and AI. It was really informative. Uh, check out the the webpage, and we'll give you, make sure you get links to that if you're interested in hearing about that. I was just interviewed by Mortgage Origination News uh, about that uh, particular topic. was a Mortgage Origination? Anyway, it's one of the publications uh, in the industry, just interviewing more and more about looking for wisdom on how will CHAT-GPT be used in... Uh, as an advantage or a disadvantage, and how should be people looking at it? Lots. We'll be talking a little bit more about that later in the program, but check out Finastra and all that they're doing, very much of a leader, as well as total expert. They do such a great job. They're using uh, integrating chat GPT into what they're doing. They had a group fly out a few weeks ago out to the Bay Area, looking at how they can integrate this in. I think we're all looking at ways we can use these new artificial intelligence tools, and then we're hearing also about should the artificial tool, artificial intelligent tools be put on hold because of what that could take us down the path. Well, my attitude is we should use what makes sense today, but check out what Joe Wellu had to say on March 15th, 2023 also encourage you to check out simple Nexus. Grateful for their sponsorship talking to David Bolin. They've got Encino's upcoming conference that's coming up and, uh, uh, that is, again, Simple Nexus's parent company. We had an interview with Andrea Lightfoot March 8th. Really good interview and thoroughly enjoyed that. Encourage you to check that out. Also, a special thank you to the Mortgage Bankers Association of America for being a sponsor, as well as Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative. These two co-ops are just excellent for getting closer to your peers and finding out what's going on with others the same size as yourself. Encourage you to join both or at least one of them if not both of them in addition to the MBA. Also, Knowledge a great learning management platform that you can use to help educate your people as well as Mobility MMI and Modex. I love these two companies. I'm using them constantly as we're working with clients and what markets they should go into. Which companies are and which loan officers, which branches of loan uh, of certain companies are producing the volume? Why? It's just that intelligence. I tell you, When you have BI, business intelligence tools such as Mobility, MMI, and MODEX, it is so powerful in what it can do for your business. And also check out mortgage advisory tools. Really, Really appreciate what Stephen Cooley is doing over there. Also, our recent past episode, again, we released with uh, Earl Thomas Booker and Books at Candor. Check that out. We talked about that. And this coming one, we've got Jeffrey Palermo talking uh, from Clear Measure, talking about ChatGPT. We're spending more time looking at that, as well as we got an up- upcoming one with Bill Corbett of TMS. Uh, he's with us and our one of our consultants. will be sharing an interview with him that we did with him. One of those enjoyable conversations. Bill's just uh, a man, a few words, but... Really has a lot to say about um, many aspects of the industry. A real veteran, and so glad to have him. Special thank you goes out to Adam De Sanctis, Les Parker, Matt Graham, who's here live, as well as David Kittle. Could not join us today. Alice Alvey's back. We're so glad to have her back and feeling better. Alan Pollock, yes, he just dialed in, so we'll have Alan live. And of course, my co-host Mark Helm.
2: Mark, good to have you here, friend. Glad to be here, sir. Excited about That's- today.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, we, I was, we were doing this uh, inter- or this uh, informal poll of the regulars out there, and I said, who else has got Easter candy sitting here at their desk, and they're chowing down, finishing up? My wife asked me, do you want me to throw out the Easter candy? And I go, oh, let me munch on it. <laughs> and then Alice says, no, she and my wife are so disciplined, but Matt Graham's here with us, and he's munching on his Easter candy. So whatever you all are doing. At your desk, as you listen to this, hope you had a great Easter. We sure did. It's so good to have you here with us. Let's get into uh, the MBA Mortgage Minute with Adam DeSantis and what the MBA is giving us an update on. So without further ado, here's Adam DeSantis.
3: Hi, I'm Adam DeSantis. This is the Mortgage Minute, the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, NBA submitted comments to the CFPB on its proposed rule creating a registry of certain contract terms and conditions used by non-bank entities. MBA opposes the creation of the registry and highlighted the insufficient analysis that went into the proposal. Our comments also suggested changing the exemption for non-bank mortgage lenders that exclusively use online mortgage forms, into a forms-based exemption, which would exempt from registration all forms required by government regulators, agencies, insurers, or guarantors in connection with the origination and servicing of a mortgage. MBA also asked a CFPB to ensure the online mortgage form exemption covers the use of Internet-accessible riders, addendum, state-required forms, and loss mitigation documents. We believe the Bureau has not done the necessary cost-benefit analysis and should withdraw this proposal for further study and analysis. Rather than creating a complex and difficult to comply with registry, the Bureau's rulemaking resources should instead be directed to lowering the cost for borrowers instead of raising costs on mortgage lenders through a proposal that will provide little benefit to those consumers. MBA will continue to monitor this rulemaking and keep you all aware of any changes. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. I agree with you, MBA.
0: Rolling that one out a little too quickly more research in some of this. I mean, I can't tell you, i am a little surprised with some of the things that's coming out of FHFA, uh, as well as uh, other branches, uh, other you know, agencies right now, what's going on. So we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but let's get over to Les Parker with this week's TM Spotlight and a macro view of the markets. <laughs> always interested in what music parody that uh, Les is using and singing to. It's always so fascinating. Here we are. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy.
3: Happy
0: How do you keep your head up?
3: Happy
0: Who watches you? When
2: Pray to see.
1: When he
2: see moves.
1: When Get
0: insight. When things go bad, stay true. Fight.
4: Be honest. Watch.
1: Pray. Above all trade. live happy. In Jesus. In
4: truth.
2: Every day. These views are my own. Find a happy way at tmspotlight.com.
4: you go, know, Les Parker.
0: Trying to find the market commentary in that. But uh, anyway, I love that song. It's such a such a happy song. Maybe it's just an Easter wish to everybody. But anyway, uh, there is a lot of You Look at the, what's going on in the markets, Ben uh, By the way, I, finish, I should finish up saying anyone who wants to read TM Spotlight, it's loaded with tons of market analysis stuff that you just really should get and read. So check out TM Spotlight dot com sign up for the paid version of the newsletter by using the code word power for power seller great newsletter you won't regret getting signed up for it and the best price it's free now matt graham is not free but man does brad matt graham have something that is outstanding mbs live with the mortgage market update and uh matt looking at what interest rates are doing these days and he uh Looking forward to getting into it. Are we going to have happy days ahead? <laughs> yeah, um, a I lot of people
4: praying. Sure, they're, they're hoping yeah. They're I wish pray. I knew exactly when they would arrive. I'm, I'm sure they will at some point, but um, they're better than they were a couple months ago, and uh, things are at the very least behaving in a logical way, which is nice to see. Uh, Recall two weeks ago, we had that super duper narrow, uneventful week where the market uh, detached from the bank drama headlines and just sort of was waiting for economic data to arrive. And uh, at the beginning of last week, we talked about economic data likely to uh, have an impact on volatility through the course of the week. And that's exactly what happened. And it happened in almost a perfectly logical way. Uh, We started off with ISM manufacturing, one of two purchasing managers indices that is like a little mini GDP, but uh, more tradable and more interesting. And it came in quite a bit weaker than expected and across the board at that. So there's not just a headline index that tells us about strength in the manufacturing sector or lack thereof, but there's also a prices paid index that gives an inflation indication all of it um, fell from the previous month and came in lower than expected. And the bond market reacted immediately by moving into stronger territory. The following day, we had JOLTS, Job Openings and Labor Turnover Survey. And uh, that's one, you know, over the past 15 years, I've paid almost no attention to because it just hasn't been a relevant market mover. And moreover, it's, a month older than non-farm payrolls by the time it comes out. They both tend to come out on the same week. So why would we pay attention? Uh, One reason is that job openings have shot up in a way and remained higher in a way that is very uncommon, looking back over the historical record. And FedShare Powell has mentioned jolts on several occasions. So all that to say, the market's trading it. The market traded it on Tuesday as well. And uh, it came in much lower than the previous reading and it sort of defeated the notion that it was um, being extraordinarily resilient at long-term highs and uh, now it looks like it is starting to trend back down to whatever extent you know one extra month of data can tell us such things but the market traded that as if it were the case and uh, yields continue to fall rates continue to fall and then they fell just a little bit more on Wednesday morning ADP jobs were weaker than expected, and ISM's services index was also quite a bit weaker, including the prices paid component, showing more uh, retracement in inflation. But uh, even though coming into the week, I would say ISM services would be the most important report, it was not worth the biggest amount of movement, and we're left to um, just sort of Assume that had to do with the the pace of the rally over the past, the previous two days. And we think we saw the bond market getting a little bit satiated on the buying demand, maybe a little bit overbought and waiting to see how the jobs report would come in on Friday. It's a good thing too, because the jobs report came in stronger, um, not stronger than last time, not stronger than expectations per se, but uh, resilient at the very least. 236,000 jobs versus 239. A lot of people were looking for a big miss in that data based on the anecdotal evidence from other data, but they didn't get it. And the unemployment rate also fell a tenth of a percent, despite the highest labor force participation since early 2020. Uh, So you can try to poke holes in the data. Some people have different ways of doing that. Sometimes those methods are valid, but this report um, was a lot stronger than any of the other data would have suggested. And the market reacted accordingly, moving back up into the prevailing trading range, if you ask 10-year yields. Same story for mortgage rates, right? Uh, Called a recent mortgage rate range, 6 to 7%. And uh, we had a chance to break under 6% for, you know, the very cream of the crop. Best price lenders, no loan level price adjustments. Um, but now we're back moving up into the mid sixes very quickly. And uh, that seems to make sense if you ask the jobs report this week, we have to ask CPI, which will come out on Wednesday, the consumer price index, the big inflation indication of any given month. And then later that same afternoon, we'll get the minutes from the most recent fed meeting. Uh, The fed can edit those minutes to uh, emphasize different points, but they're not going to edit them to acknowledge anything that happens in this week's data. So they won't be able to comment on, CPI or the most recent jobs report in the minutes themselves, but at least we'll be able to see what their line of thinking was at the last meeting and then maybe extrapolate with the data we've had since then to hone in on rate hike probabilities for the upcoming meeting. Those are currently tracking toward a um, a quarter point hike. That was not the case before the jobs report. Before the jobs report, uh, Fed funds futures were showing a 0% chance or close to it of a hike and now we're over a 50% chance a couple of days later. Um, that hike versus no hike isn't the biggest deal for the market and um, really a Fed day or Fed minutes or the next Fed day isn't the biggest deal for the market. It's the balance of multiple weeks and months of economic data that are either going to confirm or reject the notion that inflation has turned a corner and is on its way back to 2%. Definitely too soon to say that right now, but, um, you know, two more months of data comes along Uh, that could be time to say that if the data came in Mm -hmm. in the right way. So everybody's waiting to see that.
0: Lots. Yeah. There's a lot we're waiting to see. Maybe that's why Les Parker is saying, you know, uh, is a hope and a praying out there uh, going on is because there was, we looked at the, the, the report that uh, black Knight released, uh, and was published. I think it was on Sunday that uh, came out about originations, and a lot of it's as a result of the rates dropping. And it said in there that it the market continues. Originations are just so much driving the housing market and the optimism. So rates falling, as we saw, were very very positive of that. Any? i want to get your thoughts mark in just a minute and alice and uh, i want to park a little bit about that the connection to rates and volume no surprise there but with this i guess that report it wasn't so new as much as just realigning and that but there was some really good numbers that came out in march so matt you first
4: uh, yeah, I mean, it It was refreshing to see not just the origination of numbers, but several data points early in 2023 um, showed some, I don't know, uh, relief that rates had stopped going higher and, and were coming back down a bit. Mm-hmm. And we saw it in uh, purchase applications and in actual purchases. And uh, refis, of course, picked up a little bit. So definitely it's a good sign that the demand is there waiting for rates to come back down a little bit. And when they correct just a little bit, we, we see a response. Yeah.
0: You put your finger on it right there. I think that speaks to the pent up demand, but then I think, look at it, Mark, you and I are been around this industry for, you know, I've been around 50 years. You're right there, right next to me. You're real close to me on this. And you look at the, this just seems like to be the most pent up demand, And while supply is an issue, it's really encouraging to see what just a bit of a dip could we could have a really robust year if we see any amount of drop. And I'm going to get your thoughts on that, Matt, in just a minute. But Mark, I mean, um, um, yeah, Mark, comment, if you would, on that report, on that originations report, please.
2: Well, I guess as I get older, David, the one thing I've come into my mind, I don't believe (laughs) everything I read.
0: Number one,
2: and I don't believe everything I read in the context that it's presented in unless I can feel of what's really happening. And I'll tell you a quick story that relates to this. I was coming back from meetings in Atlanta. I was at the airport in Atlanta and there was a group of people, uh, four gentlemen and one lady talking. And I was standing right beside them and I kind of interjected myself into the conversation with them and they weren't, they were kind of surprised. That they were all procurement. And the logistical people working for medium-sized manufacturers had gone to a trade organization, and them complained about how the supply chain in this country is really messed up. And one of the person uh, persons was a you know a company that furnishes all all kind of things for the home building industry, and that was what I picked up on and jumped in. And uh, he basically told me that they're between six and nine months behind. And delivering the kind of volume they should be delivering in a, a year right now and yeah the market can change but it's going to be a resale market because there's new home the new homes aren't being built as fast as they should be built in this country and everybody was talking about the supply chain we got and it's not just US based it's worldwide based on everything that these people use is on delay factors it's more expensive it's up about 30% what one of them was saying in our uh, stuff and I'm sure building supplies are still the same way. That's gonna drive the cost up and so we've got the interest rate problem, but we also got the cost going up where people can't afford it that way. So we've still got a lot of turmoil in the in the in the country that is a carryover from COVID. And it's just amazing to me that we're this far out and we're still dealing with that. But I wanted to add that to it. But I, I, I do believe those numbers that are pretty much on target we said, even though I don't believe everything I read. I think they give us those factual information yep. and I love yep. to hear Matt chime in on it so i'm 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 good with but
0: the the thing that really leaped out is month's pipeline data showed an overall rate lock volume of up 43 percent over february that is it that is not a small number and
2: uh, enormous. yeah
0: and purchase rate locks were up rising 44 percent cash out refinances now that's an interesting word was up 31%. Those that say the refinances are dead, there are enough life events going on out there that we can't ignore that business. Love to get, you, Matt, back to you and your, from your message boards. and Oh, I mean, you've got thousands of people subscribe to subscribe um, to your service here. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And that's a, the, think of all this number that came out. Uh, Alice, I'll get to you in just a minute, but I think the, the thing that surprised me was the cash out rate finances were up 31% as far as the rate locks are concerned.
4: Yeah, I mean, that's one of the main reasons that uh, you might want to in a rising rate environment or a high rate environment, right, is to get some equity out. Um, one narrative that's common among the uh, realizing that your average loan officer who follows rates very closely is Tremendously economically bearish because that's the kind of thing that lines up with rates being low and they like low rates. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. But they, uh, many of them are convinced that the American consumer is in dire straits and can't uh, pay for anything unless they are overextended in credit and then have to do a cash out refi to consolidate debt. So maybe some cash out refis are happening for that reason. Maybe they're happening yeah. for other reasons. But it's not, not too much of a surprise to see uh, an uptick there. And also, I'll just maybe push back a little bit and say 43% is a big number, but it's a lot easier to generate a 43% increase <laughs> when we are at the lowest levels in decades or coming off the lowest levels <laughs> yeah. in decades.
0: That's a great. You raised up a good point, Matt, really good point. Our volume levels are so low, so a 43%. It's a big percentage number, but when you look at the overall big dollar volume, Maybe not so much. Right. <laughs> really good point. Alice, get your thoughts when you read this article and you get what we've talked about so far. I'd love to get your way in, and then I'll get over to you. Alice. Uh, Alice. Ah, Alice, your mic is muted if you're speaking. We're not hearing right. you. I'm, I'm, there I'm you.
5: right there. Sorry about that. Yeah, okay. so, you know, I haven't had a ch- I'll be honest. I haven't had a chance to read the article yet, but just listening to the discussion over the... Rate increase, uh, what Matt just said is a little bit where my brain was going. And then, Matt, mm-hmm. you, you brought up credit. I think that's the other part to this equation that I'm curious to see as we look at credit rating, credit uh, quality in this. Did lenders have to get more lenient in order to be able to do these, these loans? So it's one thing to have rates come down. It's another thing to also help borrowers qualify. Uh, with the change in the LLPAs and so forth. So I'm, I'm curious to see what will be happening with credit quality as uh, we keep moving forward in this type of market.
4: Yeah. I don't know if it's a uh, chicken or egg, but in that same report that we're talking about, average cash out refi credit score uh, down from mid seven forties to roughly 690 between between mid 2020 and uh, current. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And,
5: And with FHA, you know, watching neighborhood watch numbers the same way as far as, you know, yeah, maybe they'll be able to get some increases here and there. But what happens to the quality of the credit that's in the pipeline that each of the agencies is getting will be something to watch. Yeah. And
0: every time we get in one of these markets, we always watch credit quality uh, suffer. Very good point. Uh, Alan Pollack's here, dialed in. We're going to get his tech update a little bit later. Alan, any thoughts on what we're talking about here right now?
1: Yes, David. So, I mean, look, folks are getting crunched, right? It's, and I don't say that harshly. It's, it's either they, they feel it or they, they've felt it or they feel it's coming. And so um, either they, they missed the change in rates and they wanted to get uh, cash out or they're realizing that now they should do it before it's too late. Um, or they, they're preparing you know, because they, they, they're not sure what's going to happen later on. I, and I'm not saying this from opinion. I'm saying this from talking to people. I've heard all different things, but ultimately I think we need a better credit model. I think it can do some refinement. I know of some projects in the industry that I'm under NDAs on that I can't speak for but that are doing some very unique things. And, and I also think that um, we need to help more borrowers understand what their options are. It's not all just a simple simple formula, right? And so again it comes down to David Kittle says every time, right? It, it, there's an opportunity for originators um to work to work with their customers and help them understand and train them and yep. and make them financially literate or well, let's say mortgage literate. But um yeah, it's it's interesting it's program literate. I'm so happy yep. those LLPA's got pushed off. I think that was such a yep. smart decision.
0: That was a big decision it was. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. Matt Graham, heard just heard from one of our listeners. It says, Lickin, I got to chair chime in here. You've encouraged me to sign up. I've been a avid listener of the Lickin and Lenny podcast for years. You've been pushing me to sign up. I finally said, okay, what's this MBS Live? Why is it so why does he keep talking about it so much? Signed up for a free um, for a free uh, member or a trial period, like you say, using the L O L code. And he says, I'm hooked, I love it. Tell him that it is the best service out there, and I am um, loving it. So that's good news. Great deal.
4: Awesome. Yeah, i love to hear it.
0: Yeah, i love to hear it. I'm glad to hear that our listeners are signing up and that we're making an impact. Sign up, folks. If you have not already done so, get over to Matt Graham and um, over to, excuse me, mdslive.net and sign up and, again, uh, put in. LOL and a up code. You get the extended period for without a credit card required, but you're going to want to take your credit card out and get signed up at and more people of our lenders. More of our listeners have done that and it's a great service all the way around, Matt. Thank you so much. Thank everyone for the commentary about this. I really, I'm, I'm a fan, Matt, of the JOLTS report. I know it's a, a reverse looking, but it takes in such a comprehensive aspect. Not only is it, you know, it's a, you know, Labor, it's a great perspective on maybe a lagging one, but it does give us a, a real holistic report. I think it's interesting that Powell referred to it. Yeah,
4: like on uh, demand for labor yeah. among employers. Yeah, it's yeah. a good way to look at that.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it is trailing. It is lagging, but still, just as you look at the overall macro direction of the markets, I think that's encouraging. There's some encouraging stuff there. Yep. R- appreciate you, friend. Matt Graham, check it out mbslive.net sign up you can do so using the lol code mr kittle cannot join us today he happens to be on an airplane traveling off here to austin texas wish i could see him hope i can i think it'll work out but he will not be joining us today but alice is back so glad you're feeling better alice so glad good to have you here
5: thank you it's good to be back Although still a little stuffy, but uh you know are you allowed to have just a cold anymore? Or you know, <laughs> the first time you get sick, you know, people say, Oh my gosh, it's COVID, stay away. Like, it's not COVID.
3: No. <laughs> but you you get the like sniffles now. You
5: can't even go you can't even go <laughs> to the office anymore if you have the sniffles. So anyway <laughs> I digress. All right. So, yeah, I so
0: good
4: i got to make sure we get this.
0: DMB Vice President of Education and Training at Union Home Mortgage. And we have a question from our listener right off the gate. Alice, are you seeing or what are you seeing as far as the request for training there at Union Home Mortgage? We have a lot of respect for that company, and I suspect you have some unique insights as to what that company specifically is looking for and training and it. And there's a question about products. Are there any unique products that you're seeing a request for training on from within Union Home?
5: Well, yes, I think I can speak uh, freely here without any kind of in-company secrets, but what is, what's super interesting is we are more busy than ever uh, and this always happens even when I had my own training company, that you get more busy when, in times like this for exactly what our listener is saying is people need to be more diverse. They, you know, they don't, I don't need to know FHA because I can do a 30-year fixed rate all day long with the market for a couple of years. But now, uh, yes, everyone needs to be specialized, and I think for us, we are specialized in uh, construction of permanent lending. And so uh, we've really made a niche for ourselves there and with all the agencies. Uh, we have several other things that we do really well uh, for different marketing programs for our loan officers. Uh, but also operations is constantly what we call, you know, re-engineering, bifurcating loan processes and people needing to sharpen their skills. And as you know, we just uh, had that acquisition, so we're very focused on, transitioning partners into how we do business so it's constant we are always recruiting and always growing Uh, so we always have teams of new loan officers that start each month with our company so that keeps everything going as well so those those are our focuses right now is helping people really refine their skills so they can be sharper better faster how's that
0: that's really good, really good. Sorry I turned my mind down. <laughs> okay. <wasn't> much <laughs> Mr. Candy is your talking there. And I was going, Oh boy, didn't need to hear me spanking away on that? Anyway, um, Oh No, I think that's really good. I, I think people do have a uh, there is a need for the program, I mean just the different programs out there. But one of the questions okay, here's a question just Hit the send button on this. Are you seeing any unique products that they're at Union Home? Now, folks, that, we're not going to go into what they're focusing on, unique. But I'll tell you this. We are seeing those. There's a number of companies that are out there that are leveraging. And I, we're going to have Russ Anderson back on. When you have the amount of money that most of us have on the balance sheets of the mortgage companies that are out there, you can leverage that with the banks to get yourself better pricing in some cases or at least some unique products. So, Alice, I don't think you – if you want to comment, you're welcome to, but they're starting starting to press into, I think, over the NDA line, so we don't want to go into specifics. But uh, anything you want to say about that?
5: No, I think uh, each company has to look at what's right for them for how much they want to split into nuanced-type products. Uh, But there's also a good school of thought to get really good at what you do really well and uh, just make sure you're getting a bigger share of the pie on that stuff.
0: <laughs> they wrote back, ha ha, you didn't fall for it. Good try. Good try. So anyway, what do you have up in the legislative update for us, Alan?
5: I have two things. Uh, first of all, is in the Federal Register, uh, HUD has recently proposed to eliminate the requirement that a lender must register each of their HUD branch offices. So this isn't as onerous as it used to be, but it's still kind of a pain that if you have a branch office, you have to make sure it's registered with HUD and you have to pay a fee. Um, So HUD is proposing that they don't need this anymore. In light of their technology, they can track things a little bit better. Um, So they shouldn't have to charge a fee and shouldn't make lenders have to actually go in and physically register the branches. A few lenders I noticed, There's only nine comments, but a few lenders have already posted that, yes, I'm in favor of this. And as a matter of fact, one respondent was from HUD who said, I'm in favor as long as there are some guardrails around what defines a branch that doesn't have to be registered. So there was a concern from Others, other industries would be that, well, if we don't have to register it, are we still making sure we're monitoring the branch appropriately? And I think there's plenty of other regulators who are going to keep a, an eye on that for us, and, and we still have to um, make sure we're managing those branches and have the oversight. And I don't think the registration process makes or breaks how a company manages that. So I, I think uh, this shouldn't have any problem getting through. The proposals are due by May 1st. And then from there, HUD will tell us uh, when they may make it effective. So if you want to look up, look this up and comment, because it's sitting in the Federal Register through HUD, you're going to want to input your Federal Register number 6321-P-01, mm. and that will pull it up from the Federal Register. So, I want to repeat that uh, one more my, time
0: for those that are wanting to write sure. that down. Would you repeat that one more
5: time? Yes, FR for Federal Register, dash 6321 dash P is in Paul, dash zero 01. And then you'll once you get to that page in the Federal Register, you can click up at the top right is a green bar that says Submit Comment. And you can just simply type in, I am in favor of this. Thank you very much. Please implement yeah,
4: <laughs> There you there go. You, oh, this perfect. is an easy Good one. one. <laughs>
5: yeah, yeah. Okay, then the second piece is the CSP, CSBS, the Con- Conference of State Bank Supervisors not to be confused with CFPB, they're the ones that run the NMLS, right? The Conference of State Bank Supervisors and American Association of Mortgage Regulators, Armor. So CSBS is proposed creating a uniform state licensing standards for mortgage companies. I really like this. However, I think it's going to be similar to the SAFE Act where they set a standard, but the states still do what they want. But I think if we can uh, look at the fact that the states will agree, maybe we can get some better and more um, standardized rules across the states to make licensing easier. So this would be the first step in all of that. The states wouldn't be obliged to follow all of it, but it would be step one for them to have a standard to take back to their individual financial uh, divisions uh, to be able to see if they can institute some reform. So this is another good one. Uh, this one you can get to at comments at csbs org and you have till May fifteenth to submit your comments on that one. That's it for today, Dave.
0: Well, very good. Very good. Always interesting on um one of the questions here's another question. Man, you get you get some attention here with some questions right now. One of the listeners saying, are you seeing any willingness to well oh okay, wait a minute. Okay. Let me rephrase the question. I, th- I thought it was where they were writing. I thought they were, I knew where they were going. Okay. The question is, when you look at the recent legislation, do you have new concerns, Alice, about the change in FHFA and other regulatory bodies of the industry changing direction as it relates to being so, uh, more, more bearish about the market and some of the policies?
5: Uh, I do have some concerns with the FHFA, and I think uh, Dave Stevens expresses this very well as far as, especially with the new pricing model and the fact that we haven't been able to get them to recognize it's not smart policy to try and get more home ownership for low to moderate income customers by completely turning the pricing grid inside out. Uh, You know, there's bigger problems, as someone else alluded to earlier, with supply chain home building having enough homes out there not just enough buyers so i think uh yes follow dave stevens uh he has a mm-hmm. wonderful wonderful insight into that and uh i i think we do have to be very careful and keep a close eye on him and that's what the MBA should be doing with us
0: you know, we've had david on before we need to go get him back on the podcast and get him an interview with him that'd be good okay. very good very good anyone else uh Matt, Mark, anyone else have any comments on Alice's segment? Not all at once. (laughs) Okay. Very good. Let's get appreciated, Alice. Be sure to um, go back and you can listen to a lot of people go back and listen to a lot of Alice's segments because of the regulatory updates that she does give. You can listen to on our website where you just listen to all of Alice, just Alice her commentary you can go dive in there thank you alice appreciate you being here as you are each and every week and good to have you feeling better and back appreciate you as a friend i andy your husband what a great guy a true man's man all right alan Pollock is here another man's man out here with the weekly tech update and <laughs> i want to tell you alan this chat gpt when you introduced it that way back when it is like crazy where this is all going i just got interviewed you know, Again, as I said earlier, on uh, what I thought about where this was going, Mark and I are spending a lot of time researching it. Uh, we've already had several guests on it. We're going to be continue to have guests on it. But man, you're you. We'd like to credit you for kicking it off, and you just brought it to our attention. It was you.
1: Well, thank you. And I, I'll say I I made a mistake when I first brought it to our attention because I said I didn't think it was going to have as much of an impact just yet. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: um, well, yeah,
0: we're all Mark. That's Mark laughing in the background. If you don't recognize his laugh, because boy, that's the truth. Yeah,
1: no, I do. Um, I always get Mark to laugh. Um, so I don't know. I said I didn't. I said it would always. It would be something in the marketing side, but it wouldn't necessarily kind of evolve into operations just yet. But you know, it's taken off, and even even the rest of the world didn't expect it to take off this this fast. Um, it is just everywhere you go, uh, I live in, in TPC, uh, Sawgrass, Florida, and I got to play the, uh, players stadium course, uh, on Good Friday. And, uh, my first, I lived there 10 years, first time ever playing it. And even the caddy that we had was talking about chat GPT. It is everywhere. It is revolutionizing and it is going to, it's just going to evolve and we're going to evolve with it and it's exciting right there's always there's always going to be fear and, and and folks are going to be cautious but it's going to be exciting so i'm going to talk definitely about chat gpt in a moment david but well actually it's really the whole segment now that i say that but let me tell you about a, a couple things i had uh i had here first i wanted to mention so i did not go to the NBA tech conference um i was going to be there but uh the company i work for as well as many others, sent less folks because there was less lenders attending. And I saw uh, on Instagram um, and on LinkedIn, many people were actually saying that they had a great time. Again, it was wonderful to be with so many great people in the industry. However, MBA has got to look and see what can they do next year to try and ramp up attendance because it was uh, very slim on the lender side. Now, some folks had very productive meetings, but nonetheless, uh, here's the feedback that I found, and a few people posted this online. Uh, and it's a quote um, that many people is maybe part of the general session. I'm not sure. So I'm just going to credit MBA for this. But it said, production revenue is dropping to be expected while fully loaded cost continues to increase. Mm-hmm. Underlying cost structure of the high volume periods are not sustainable and will require further focus to align the cost structures sounds like a tongue twister, right? Yeah. At the end, at the end of the day, yeah. our costs are
0: gone. On and yeah. Um,
1: I, and I marked this with multiple stars, so I, I made sure I read it in my notes, because I don't always read everything in my notes. It says, lenders and their vendor partners are encouraged to come to the table to work, ready, David, on win-win strategies and solutions to adapt to market changes.
0: What mm-hmm. does that mean? I know. It
1: means everything we've been saying all this time, oh. right? You, yep. You, do you have too many vendors? Do you not have the right folks to implement and manage those vendors? Are you training your staff on those? I can go on 30 different things. Oh, yeah. Now is the time not just to invest for the future, but to to redefine how your process works. And I think you wanted to say something there, David, so I'm going to pause for a second. Well, I,
0: I think you're raising a really, really good point because I think – Every company that we go into, we do a lot of warehouse reviews. Kathy Thomas on my team does that, and uh, she's out looking at the companies. We, I mean, while we're not reviewing technically, we're looking at what they're doing and going about it. But almost every company we do a review of, they're not fully utilizing the technology that they have already. And then That's they right. complain about what it costs, and they're not getting the full benefits of it. I mean, going back to Candor, I mean, Tom, and Tom Showalter and that team there with books and what they're doing. Is it will reduce your costs? And one complains, but it's such an expensive system. It is not many of these expensive systems that are they would say are so expensive. When you look at really look at it, when you're fully util- utilizing these systems to their full extent. Then they, right. they, they actually bring a return, and they, then some people retort back or see some comments coming, out the, uh, coming through as I'm writing I anticipated, and they go, yes, but they're so dang complicated. How do we take advantage of them? That's a very common thing, Alan. I'd love to get your 100%. thoughts on that.
1: Well, God, you, you know, How do they know? As, as our audience knows. As our audience knows, I'm looking for my next opportunity, and a few folks have told me to go in and and do some of that um, on the consulting side because I've just worked and know so many many, uh, tech vendors. The, The reality is these solutions save you money, but you have to adopt them, and it starts with leadership, and you have to look at overlap. Over the years, you've acquired many vendors, and you have pains with those vendors, and it doesn't mean they're not good people, but you're not there for friendships you're there to run a business and you're there to, to help borrowers get into their homes and have the American dream and all these other great things. So you really need to look from the top down at what you have in place and what's going to help you. Peer groups work, David. Um, you know, the the collaborative groups that we have out there are great. Um, not necessarily, I mean, you can look at the recommended vendors that they gave you for technology, but sometimes it's more just about about how other people are doing and what are they doing, right? And, and what what vendors have they selected and how and why? Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of CRM companies out there. Some are, some are um, partners with our program here. They're all mm-hmm. great technology platforms, but which one is going to fit you best? And that's going to be based on all the other tech pieces you have. You know, I, and that just brings up a point I'll make. I've seen many times you'll get one person at a company that says we must have this vendor, but that vendor is not compatible with everything yeah. else. And then you as a vendor... You're, yeah. You yep. have yep. to now figure out, and now right now the, the laser gun is pointed at you to make a decision or to figure out how you're going to connect it for them, and then it's going to cost more money and time than it's a new priority. So you guys all get what I'm saying, but, but yeah. the point well, is, yeah. David, is is we need to take a look from the top down. Yeah, we
0: we need to. I was working with a company here recently. They got a phone call where we're, we're going to help them with some things, and I said, by the way, which CRM do you have? And they said we have them all. I go, you have them all seriously (laughs) i was not working for you and he goes well it's loan officer driven and so if we're recruiting a group and they're a large company we're going to say we're going to implement that if that's what it takes for you to work here we're going to implement it what a absolutely freaking nightmare when it comes to the overall of integration of all this day all these systems out there i i really get concerned about what that really says is we suck at leadership. We're terrible at leaders. We're not going to try to convince you. We're just going to make, sit here and please you in every way we can, and it's not mm-hmm. helping their costs. Like that's, we look at cost structure, which is one of those things. I get, get on my soap, soapbox with some of these, but go ahead. So true. Mom.
1: No, it, 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 It's just so true, and, and it doesn't mean we're bad and we're not efficient. It just means we have to fine-tune. Um, yep. and, and so many vendors do such a great job that yes. it, it's yes. really something interesting that they're doing. Um, so I wanted to talk about two more topics. One of them is, so I went back to chat GPT. So I saw an article that 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 mentioned bots in every industry. And I know we've got companies in the mortgage industry that are big on the bot side uh, or they're getting there. And so I went out and I said, um, pretend that you are a bot builder and you're an expert in the mortgage industry. Please don't be generic and give me some ideas of how bots can help a loan officer or a borrower and question yourself as you're thinking of these responses to make sure that they're not too generic or they're already out there. And, Jack, you know, instantly it came back, and it gave me a couple, and I, I want to save these. So David and I chatted briefly. I'm going to create a survey, and we're going we're to put it out on mm-hmm. LinkedIn if you'd like. You can email us directly, um, or you can go and, and look for this survey or search for it. it give us about 24 hours to put it out there. Um, and what we would like to know is what type of bot do you think would help your business? Here's, here's some that ChatGPT said today, and I mean we mean specifically the mortgage technology business, a rate tracker bot. So imagine your borrowers or your loan officers being able to keep constant communication like a CRM but notifying them of rates. And we all know rate reminders, rate trackers, they've been around forever, but what if it was a bot? Pre-qualification bot. Um, This is like having a scenario desk. This is for an originator, the ability to just kind of say a couple different things and it instantly comes back and gives you a couple scenarios. It can give you pricing or it doesn't have to give you pricing. Um, Think of the Ask Alice compliance and risk engine, right? That kind of thing. Uh, In addition, there's a uh, loan modification bot, so Mark Helm. I think that's something that you probably um, would love to to see if that's something that could fit a business model for people you talk to. And then finally, uh, there's a closing cost estimator bot. That's what ChatGPT came up with. I thought that was a pretty cool idea. So there's there's a lot of ideas out there. Uh, We're going to put that survey out. We'd love to get some of your feedback. It will be on LinkedIn. Uh, And then outside of that, of course, David, I was going to bring something up I'm going to talk about next week, but the bot conversation was more fun, which is about risk around chat GPT, being able to figure out people's passwords. And I've got two articles that talk all about password strength and what people commonly do. And we'll spend time on that next week.
0: Boy, that's a lot of people are going to want to come back for that one.
1: Good. Alan, so much. Thank you so much. Very good.
0: Good content. Always. A lot of feedback coming in. I wish we had time to read all the questions that come in, but thank you listeners for sending those in. I try to bunch them up and get the questions asked uh, out. Uh, A lot of positive feedbacks that we're wrapping up the podcast about the podcast and how many are listeners out there. We have a huge and ever growing population within the industry looking for leadership. Just heard of someone who just wrote me again last week. I wish I'd found this podcast. One of the things they say, I wish I'd found this podcast years ago I'm never going to stop listening. Now it's one of the things that you do to help me digest all that's going on, and it's the conversation around it. They love Alice. They love they love Mark's opinion. They love Kittle jumping in. It. Mark Matt's segment is always loved. Matt, you are loved out there. You and Alice, it just blows me away. Uh, with your personalities, um, how you just loved out there. And, of course, you both have lovable personalities, so it's not that your personality is so unique. But, and then, Alan, your content, it's all wonderful. It's, we really appreciate it. We appreciate the feedback. Thank you so much. So grateful. And we're always looking for ideas of what do you want, listeners, as content. We listen to you, and we go out and get interviews. Again, we'll be releasing two more interviews this week, and we welcome you to give us feedback. Love your feedback on them. Appreciate it so much. Mark, any thoughts as we wrap this program up? Then get to you, Alice. I've
2: got, got a few here, David. Uh, yes, I sir. finished recently a consulting assignment that was uh, working on the still outstanding issue that we're dealing with in the industry about uh, remote employees. And uh-huh. I, as I was looking at it, it was uh, in the mortgage operations and the servicing arena. And um, a couple of companies were thinking about, bringing that back in-house and wanted to do it the right way and said, how should we structure it to do it? And I said, well, have you looked at your cost yet? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, have you have, the, do you have the same office space you had before? No. Do you have the same number of copy machines you had before? No. Do you have the same number of printers you had before? No. So in the uh, COVID era, uh, the downsizing that took place to support the uh, remote employees had a significant impact on the, systems internally, the structure, the office space, parking, everything you can think of that rolls into expense. And most people aren't thinking about that if they go back to bringing employees in. But then they said to me, said, but quality is what we're concerned about. And I said, I don't blame you. You should be. I said, when you put somebody in a remote environment, uh, you need to know more than just whether they answer the phone timely and they take care of the customer in a uh, a limited amount of time and it's on, on point and they return calls to customers And you got to have a, you know, small surveys really probably won't work for you about your customer base, and so we started outlining some things, and I started using uh, Chat GPT and and just making sure I didn't miss anything. In fact, it helped me solidify my list, but it also gave me a half a dozen things in each category I hadn't thought about. So I thought that was amazing, and so we started building for the the people a program where they could. Enhance our survey, make the survey more specific to the type of question that was uh, that was asked by the customer and answered by the customer. Also, put in some uh, proficiency uh, things, and also recommended a a a training session once a week with all the people about new things that are occurring on the phone because I'm not in the office to talk to somebody about it at coffee break, you know. And then the other thing it uh, mentioned also was that uh, you need to get feedback, not training type feedback, but feedback from people in a remote environment. What can we do to support you and make you do the job quicker, better, faster? And all those things kind of rolled into a a program for people to implement and enhance to make sure that the remote employees are still being efficient, taking care of the customer, and are a profitability center in the way they do things, more or less, because they're not using, spending as much money as it would be if it was being done back in the house. And, of course, A lot of people love saving the mileage, the car 30, 40 minutes or an hour trip each way to office each day and all things. There's a lot of things positive for employees, but we've got to make sure that things are positive for the company. So in doing all that, we realized it was a complete program. So I turned around and I said, this is what I'm thinking about implementing in a company. I went through through the things I'm, I'm doing for the improvement of service levels, improvement of efficiencies. Uh, monitoring and quality control and, uh, and surveying customers and all that. And then it came back with another laundry list. I'm telling you, we have only touching the surface of what Chat GPT can do for us in just a pure operations environment to help us produce better quality product uh, and better service to our customers and increase cost effectiveness internally. And I just wanted to share that experience from about uh, two or three days ago with everybody on the phone today.
0: That's good. And Alan was texting me as you were talking. He says, Mark is spot on. Why is Mark spot on, Alan?
1: Well, Mark, well operationally, we weren't trained on, on how to run our organization in the, in the way that we have been in the last couple of years. And so none of us are experts at that. We're, we're, we're winging it. And so obviously we run a great organizations, but But at the end of the day, again, fine-tuning would be great. And and ChatGPT is just a wealth of knowledge and the way it can articulate information and you can correspond with it like it's an employee having a conversation. So Mark's just spot on with the information he's getting and how it's going to affect us and help us. Um, There's a lot of pains that people are having with remote employees. And some some weren't remote and started hiring more people remote, and, and some were always remote. And, and it's a unique world that um, we live in. And it also, by the way, involves a ton of data security and other types of compliance issues that, that we have to deal with. And so uh, I hope there's a lot up. more yep. to come there.
0: Yep, yep. Alice, any, what are you finding as a request for or any changes to the way you're going to be going about training using chat or other similar services?
5: Uh, it's interesting. We're just starting to scratch the surface on that, so I'll have to report back on that yeah. once we get a chance to see how it actually may uh, enhance certain things that we're doing.
0: That'd be good. Well, I was I was thinking about you, Alice, because I was watching over the weekend a ChatGPT uh, article, and it was actually a YouTube video, about how they're using all this, and it was a, uh avatar where they, the avatar was speaking. My wife says, oh, that looks fakey. I said, it was totally created by technology. This was not created by someone doing it. This was just technology. And I keep wondering, at some point in time, are we going to have a hologram of you, Alice, as Ask Alice out there as a memorial to all of your years of knowledge? <laughs> so ask Alice and up pops this avatar of Alice, a uh, hologram. I say, yes, I could help you. And it's, I mean, it's just driven by AI. It's really amazing the rate at which this is happening. And you got to pay attention to listeners, so we'll try to continue to bring it. Alan brought it, introduced us it to it when it first got launched, and um, we're thrilled. And uh, we'll see how it impacts all of us. We're out of time. Gosh, what, three minutes, and I've got another call we got to get on. But I want to say thank you, listeners, for being here. I want to say thank you to our sponsors. Also, thank you to our regulars that are here each and every week. Mark, Alice, Matt, Alan, uh, Kittle's usually here with us, but uh, Adam DeSanctis, Les Parker, I mean the whole group. Uh, there's so much knowledge that we dispense. We love doing it for you. We're doing it for you at no cost, but it is made possible by our sponsors. And it's Candor Technology, Finaster, Total Expert, Simple Nexus, MBA Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, Knowledge Coop, Mobility MMI, and Modex, the mortgage advisory tools. I tell you, it's just a, it's a really a collaborative effort. And we're so grateful to have you as a listener. That uh, what what can you do to help us? Someone wrote. You say, tell others about the podcast. We want to be the place where this industry continues to turn to for knowledge. It's just one of the places. There's many wonderful resources within our industry for the knowledge we get. Many of the the, the publications that are out there. I love Rob Crispin of all the information, especially his humor, and so many dedicated to helping you as an industry. We're doing it in an audio format, and we're honored to have you as a listener. Any thoughts on that, Mark, as we wrap up?
2: No, I agree 100% with you, David, and we encourage you to encourage your friends to listen in because I hope to get them hooked to send it on the first call they make. Yeah. <laughs> well, like you
0: say, Mark, I enjoy you. Mark oftentimes, boy, that was, I think we had the best podcast last time. This one was just the best one ever. I learned so much, and, and I feel the same way. That's why we set this up. Folks, have a great rest of your week. Look forward to having you back here. And until then, listen to some of the other podcasts we're releasing this week. But otherwise, we'll have you back here. We look forward to having you back here next week listening to the market update. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week,
4: and thanks for listening.